Well, Merry Christmas. Great to be together. This, uh, it feels like um, the world is coming back. This is uh, one of our first Christmases after COVID where it feels like we're actually all returning. So it's wonderful to be together. And if you remember pre-COVID life uh, in church here, we used to have a tradition. We'd check out who... And um, I'm going to do it because Sam's made me think about this. Who was up at 5.20 this morning? Hands up. Dave was. <laughs> who was up at... 4.30 this morning, keep your hand up. Wow, who was up at 4? Who was up at 3? <laughs> Who's got bladder problems? <laughs> it, uh, what a morning for many of us, isn't it? Uh, extraordinary. Um, great to be together. What I want to do is, uh, I want to start somewhere that doesn't actually feel so Christmassy. What I want to talk to you about is something that doesn't, it doesn't immediately strike you as part of the whole Christmas thing, but I want to talk to you about the purpose of life. My job is to try and connect the Bible to us. Not that it needs much connection. If you just read it, it's quite profound. But let me try and do this by talking about purpose. Um, do you have a purpose in life? Don't say anything. But do you have a purpose in life? What is it? Is it a purpose that's worth living for? Is it the purpose of life? Do you think there is a purpose to life? Uh, what might that be? These are big questions, I know, but it's, it's actually, why are we here? Not just here, but why are we here on the planet? Why does all of this exist? These are, these are, very, these are massive questions and very important questions, but you might be thinking at Christmas, I'm not sure I want to be dealing with that kind of stuff. I'm just, I have a purpose and it's just to survive the day. You know, I've been up at 5.20 and the kids have been locusts. They've just been devouring everything and I've got to go to Sydney and uh, I don't know. You might be thinking, look, I, all I'm thinking about today is just getting through this thing. Or it might actually be that you're on your own. I, talking with people as you've been coming in, it's, um, some, today is a tough day and you might be thinking, I just need to survive today. Well, I want to suggest to you that this is exactly the right time to be talking about life and its purpose. All the way through the readings that we've been having, and especially Robin's reading of Matthew chapter 2, the whole thing is shot through with purpose. The whole thing speaks to us about purpose, the purpose of life, the purpose of why we're here, your purpose. It's an extraordinary thing, Christmas. It's got a great help to us to think about these big questions. And I want to say to you, today is a day that should be obvious that we actually need to think about this kind of thing. What is the purpose of life? If you were here just sitting and thinking, I'm just trying to survive the day, uh, then, then we need to work on this one. Because there's far more to life than just surviving. Life is far bigger and more wonderful. There is a purpose, a life purpose. You might have been, uh, you, you might be finding yourself, I'm just going to, the, the day is going to be so painful. You need to think about the purpose of life because it'll lift us up. It'll give us hope. If it's real, if it's substantial, if it's true, it really is a very important thing to be reflecting on today. So how is it there in the Christmas account? How is it there in Matthew's account, particularly that we just had it? it it's not obvious, I think, but there's a couple of, there's three pieces I'm going to suggest to you that are like hooks, that if you just pull on them, tug them, you actually see purpose emerge. You see what was always there, it's kind of like this passage is like a window into the reason for existence and the purpose of life. But there's three pieces I want to suggest that pull it out for us. The star, 
the prophecy and the dream. And I want, to, uh, I want to take you through this account, uh, explain a little bit of what it means, set us straight on some Christmas carols, I want to touch on those things, but I want to draw attention to the star, the prophecy, the dream, as a means to actually see, is there purpose to life? What is that purpose? Can it be ours? That's where we want to go this morning, very briefly, but let me, let me take you through this. Have a look at Matthew chapter 2. If you've got your outline, follow through with me, just see what the Bible has to say. An account written by Matthew as one of the first followers of Jesus. We're talking about an historical record, and you know it's an historical record because look at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, we're located in a place, in a real place. This is not a galaxy far, far away. This is in Bethlehem, during the time of King Herod. We're located in time. King Herod was a, was a well-known historical figure, died about 4 BC, uh, ruled the uh, region of Israel and its surrounds for about uh, four decades, many years, uh, put in place by the Romans. And this is just history. And what you have here is an account that lands us directly into time, space, reality. And it's in that context that something happens. Magi come from the east to Jerusalem, and ask, where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now there it is, the star. We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Let's tug on the star. Now many people, even if you've not read the Bible much, if you've not been around Christian things, you'll know about the star. It's, uh, if you've ever seen nativity scenes, you'll see a bit of a star floating around there. Uh, many people at the top of their Christmas trees put a star, uh, kind of symbolising this. But there's that very old carol that I think still is familiar to us. Uh, we three kings of Orient Far. Do you remember that carol? In fact, let me do a quick exercise for us. What I want you to do is fill in the gaps when I pause to see how many of you know this carol. Uh, let's see if we can go through it. We three kings, I won't try and sing it. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we travel afar. Field and... Oh, very good, I would never have done that. More and... Wow, okay. Following yonder star. There we go, easy. Um, the chorus, oh... Star of wonder, star of light. You see, the whole song is about the star, which it gets very, and it's, it's right. Much of it's wrong, though. Let me just give you a quick hit on this. Uh, let, let me be Christmas Grinch and ruin carols for you. Um, you look at the actual account. This, that song comes from Matthew chapter 2. It's, that's where it's, this is the only place that's talked about the Magi coming with a star. Uh, it's, it's the place the carol was written from. But what I want you to notice is this... Um, how many, how many came to see Jesus? We, how many actually came? We don't know. Three's made up. Whoever wrote the carol just made that up. There's three gifts they're given, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and so let's call them three kings bringing it, but we don't, it could be 20, could be 15, could be 10, could be two, we don't know. Um, uh, are they kings? No, they're magi. Maybe they're kings because they bring expensive things, but we don't know. It's, it's been made up in the carol. Are they from the Orient? Where are they from? The East. So, <laughs> they're not kings. There's not three of them. They're not from the Orient. And last thing, they probably aren't there when Jesus is born. 
I'm sorry to shock this one, but if you've got a nativity scene with the th three wise men, you need to cut the three wise men out and bring out the whole thing in April when they probably did arrive, you see. Um, and so, and put a whole bunch more there when uh, the whole thing happens. But anyway, don't learn Christianity from carols. There's the message here. Um, and actually, part of the reason I do that is because we care about facts. You, you, you see, we are convinced this is history. And getting history right matters. Because if this is taking us to understand purpose and the purpose of life, not just someone's thought about what it is, then we need to be founded on concrete historical realities, facts. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Magi from the east came and said, where is the one who was born King of the Jews? We saw his star. Now you think about this. The Magi, they've come to Jerusalem to look for a baby born King of the Jews because they saw his star. Now, they're probably astrologers. The word magi is where we get the word magician from. They're probably astrologers. Um, they're not likely kings. Significant figures, no doubt. And uh, they're not the kind of people you would expect the Bible to make much of because the Old Testament actually condemns this kind of practice, astrology and so on, the way they would have done it. But nonetheless, uh, here they are, having probably read the Jewish Scriptures in the book of Numbers to see that there was the expectation of a star in the house of Judah, where a king would come. And they are guided to this baby by a star. Now, it's mentioned a number of times. You get it there in verse 2. Uh, we saw his star when it rose in the east, but you also get it mentioned um, in verse 9 and 10, a couple of times there. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. This is a star that moves and stops. Now, what is it? People have tried to work it out. Was it a comet? Was it a supernova? Was it an alignment of planets that kind of arrived over the house in some fashion? What does the text tell us? We don't know. But what we do know is that it's miraculous. Whatever this is, it moves. An inanimate object in the skies, moves in this powerful way. It's an extraordinary, miraculous experience that occurs. A massive physical body that's inanimate moves to guide a group of people to one place. It has a purpose. It's moving with a purpose. Now, how can that be? Now, you might be finding yourself thinking, oh, this whole thing's a bit freaky, miraculous stuff. And um, One of the key ways to enter into this thought life is to appreciate that um, mirac miraculous things are only impossible to believe if there is no God. As soon as you allow the possibility that behind all things is the power creator God, then that he might act within his world in a way that's different is entirely plausible if there's a God. And in fact, this movement of a star is the least astonishing thing that happens in this account, isn't it? What's the most astonishing thing that happens in this account? Chapter 1, verse 25, God is born among us as a human, the incarnation. Friends, yes, the Bible is full of the miraculous in many ways. 
which is entirely appropriate given that there's a God who stands behind all things. You see, this inanimate object doesn't move on its own will. It's purposeful because behind it stands a power that created the stars and can move the stars. But to what end? What was the purpose of the movement of this star? Well, I'll tell you what it was. To lead a group of religious outsiders to Jesus. To bring them to see who Jesus was and to worship him. To lay down all their gifts to him. God moved the stars to bring that outcome about purposefully. Now hold on to that thought. Let me give you the second one, prophecy. You see in here, uh, there's a number of references to prophecy that go on through chapter 2, but the one we're particularly looking at is, uh, follow it through, verse 3. King Herod heard that these magi have arrived to Jerusalem and he was disturbed. Now, why is he disturbed? Just another little piece of evidence here, actually. King Herod was a very brutal, powerful and insecure ruler. We know that from history. Anyone who threatened his reign, he killed, um, even to his own family. But what he, he was given the role of king of Israel by the Roman Senate and he knew that his role as king was tenuous. He now hears that there's one who is born king of the Jews and so he is threatened by this baby as a world ruler even down through today. There begins a principle actually of a pattern in history of those who delight in this Jesus and those who are threatened by this Jesus. King Herod is the start of that picture. But where is this child? He asks, he calls together, verse 4, all the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he says, where will the Messiah be born? And they're able to answer, verse 5, in Bethlehem. Now why are they able to say that? Because, verse 6, a prophecy. A prof prophecy that was written 700 years before the events that we talk about here. Seven centuries earlier, there was a document that spoke of a king that would come into the world who would be born in Bethlehem. Of all the towns of Israel, it says that's the place where a great king will be born. Now, Bethlehem is of a no-account town. It's a very small thing just outside Jerusalem. Um, the only thing it has of note is that David, the great king, was born there previously. But here is another great king, it prophecy says. Now, think with me about prophecy for a moment. What does the fact of prophecy tell you about the universe we live in? What does the fact of... Now, prophecy. Prophecy is not just predicting the future. Prophecy is like this. You ask me what I'm going to be doing today. Where will you be this afternoon? And I can tell you where I'll be this afternoon. I'm going to be in Sydney with the great crowds visiting family. Now, does that, is that possible? Am I able to tell you where I'll be in, in, the, in the future? Because I... I can look down the tunnel of time and see myself there? No, 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 no. I can tell you I'll be in Sydney because I'm the one who's going to get in the car and drive there. I'm the one who will choose to make it happen, you see. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is not Nostradamus guessing. Prophecy is a word that says, this is what I will determine to do in the future. And the Bible is riddled with prophecies. This is one prophecy that speaks about the coming of Jesus to be born in a very particular place, Bethlehem, and it comes true. 
because 700 years before, there is a power, the kind of power that can rule the stars, that also rules history, that can speak about what will be in the future because that power controls what will be in the future. I can tell you when this child will be born and what city will be because I'm going to be in control of that child being born in that city. What does prophecy tell you about the universe we live in? That behind all things is an invisible hand, a powerful, invisible, unseen force that has a purpose. Has a purpose such that history will be ruled and controlled to a certain direction. It's not a personal God who just predicts, but it's a personal God who makes be. This is not the only prophecy. There's, people estimate, over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in detail in the New Testament. Now, that is, a, that is an astonishing thing. But what it tells us is that history isn't random. The world is not just drifting along. Behind all things is God, who is at work towards a purpose and has told us his purposes. And his purpose is to bring into the world a king, a king of such power that he would save the world. Now, how do I know that last bit? I know that last bit because if you go back to that ancient prophecy, it comes from the book of Micah. You can chase it up, Micah chapter 5. In the book of Micah, the context is of a world that's in tumult, a world that's uh, full of um, warfare and oppression and abuse and greed and hostility and death. And into that context comes a word from God where he promises that one day there will be a child born who will be the great king, greater than any other king, who will have such power that he will rescue humanity. He will bring peace. You see purpose. The star says that there's a power at work purposefully to bring people to Jesus. Prophecy says there's a work behind history to bring all things to rise up a man called Jesus, to be a great king to save, third and last. The dream, the dream. You know, there's a few things that happen uh, from verse 7 on. Uh, Herod calls the Magi secretly to find out the exact time the star appeared and so on. Uh, he sent them to Bethlehem and lied to them. He said, tell me where this child is so that I can go and worship. He doesn't want to go and worship the child. As you find later in the account, he wants to kill this child. But what happens is a dream. The end there of verse 12, you see a dream given to the Magi. But verse 13, just outside of our reading, is this. When they had gone, the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. A dream. Now, what is the dream about? What purpose is the dream given? It's given for the purpose of protecting the child Jesus from death at the hands of Herod. But think about this. This is the same child who is born into our world 
to die. And so the dream is given to protect this child from dying until the time set for him to die. And the place and the means, the circumstances. This dream comes for a purpose because this king who was born into our world is born with a purpose and nothing can thwart that purpose. And that purpose is to die on a cross to save us from our sins. Chapter 1, Jesus. And the only way he can save us, you see, he comes as the great king to save his world but a king who comes into the world to deal with a problem that's deeper than externals, that's deeper than just out there, that goes right to the very heart of every one of us. And he comes into the world to deal with sin, our rebellion against God. And he comes to deal with that by dying, not because of any wrong in him, but because he gives himself over to death on a cross to take upon himself our guilt. The curse that we deserve is laid upon him, such that it's paid such that human sin can be dealt with. The very core of the problem that causes all can be dealt with. And that men and women and children can be brought back to God, reconciled to Him, and brought to the King, who will by His great power establish a new creation. Because that child doesn't stay dead, three days later he rises again. Showing himself to be the victor over sin, Satan and death itself in his resurrection he brings a new age so that anyone outsider insider who comes to him and bows before him and acknowledges who he is can find rescue you see my point the whole thing is shot through with purpose the star god moves the heavens for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus, outsiders from away. The prophecy is shot through with purpose. It's God who controls history, who brings everything to be manoeuvred, that Jesus might be born where God said he would be born, to be the king, the great king of humanity. The dream, shot through with purpose, to keep that child safe until a time set for him, to pay, to deal with this problem of our heart, the sin that's in the, in the very core of who we are. Friends, this morning, life is not random. Your life is not random. It's not just drifting along. Our world is not ruled by politicians. You don't need me to say that, but it's not ruled by politicians. It's not ruled by the forces of nature. It's ruled by God. For one great purpose... And that great purpose almost directly comes out of this passage. It's that Jesus might be worshipped as King and Saviour. That he might be seen for who he is. That all humanity from all nations, outsiders and insiders, might come to him and bow down before him and give their lives, treasures to him. Why? Because that child is no mere human. That child is God with us, come to rescue us. He is the King, our King. The one we were made by and for. The one who has shown his worth to be worshipped, 
by his love for us such that he died to make it that we might be forgiven. God gives this son as a gift to all humanity, a gift that gives us life, forgiveness, a fresh start and purpose. He brings us back to the centre of who we are, who we're made to be. Life is about him and the new age that he brings. And it's a, um, um, it makes only perfect sense to bow before the king because he's king, he is the king. But he's a king of great worth, who has loved us so much that he gave his life for us. What are you living for? What is your purpose? Have you thought about it? What a terrible tragedy to have lived your life never having reflected on why you're here. To end your days lost. What is your purpose? Well, is it family? Is it family? Today is a day when it could well be family. It could be pleasure. It could be yourself. There are a number of possibilities. And I am appreciating the music that's just running in the background is this is it somehow we can stop that is everyone enjoying that there we are you see what is your purpose today's a day where it's easy to think it might be family because often our families are so enjoyable many of you are blessed with a great family life where you come together today and it's a great joy but let me offer this if you live for that family wonderfully blessing as they are You'll destroy them and you. They, they cannot bear the weight of your expectations and needs. If you need them to make your life worth living, you'll put massive pressure on them to be everything that you need them to be. You'll destroy them and you'll destroy yourself. It can't be about family. Family's a great blessing, but life is not about them. Pleasure. Is it about pleasure? Could it just be to have the most fun while I live here? Short-term gain for long-term loss. If it's just about you finding the most pleasure, you will find as the years roll on, the ability to pursue pleasure gets less and less until again your life ends in a whimper. Pleasure just slides through the fingers. Is it your work? Is it your sport? Friends, these are no... They have no depth and riches to them. Jesus comes as the purpose of life God at Christmas shows us that the whole thing is about him to be centered on him and he is one who has the riches and depths and strength and, and solidness that makes life worth putting it on him because he will never let you down he, he can carry the weight of all your needs and hopes and take you into eternity life is not random God has worked to bring you here even now. The God who rules the stars, the God who rules history, has brought you to be sitting here this morning, perhaps to be watching online for a purpose, that you might be brought to Jesus, that you might see him for who he is, that you might bow down to him like the Magi did and give him all your treasures, because he's worth it. He is the great king who has come to save us by dying for us, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Might today be a day when you actually 
are renewed in your sense of the worth of this Jesus. Might today be a day when you actually come to the realisation of the worth of Jesus and bow to him. Let me pray and invite the musicians up as we finish. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus. We thank you that you have revealed the purpose of life, that it centres on your Son, that you have moved stars and history to point us to him as the great King and Saviour. We thank you that you have brought him amongst us to pay a debt that we couldn't pay, that we might be forgiven and restored into relationship with you. Please help us see the centre of our lives to be around Jesus, that we might bow to him and give him all because he is so worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.